toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love you are listening to be the love transcending through the shadows into a higher state of consciousness we are souls on the journey opening up the conversation to heal awaken and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency it starts with you everything you need is within you this is your time i am stacy musial and i am sam fernandez and we are your co-hosts at be the love podcast thank you for tuning in and ascending with us hop on board the ascension bus this is adrian elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. This is Dr. Brent Satterfield of Inner World Movement, author of Bringing Heaven Home. Hi, this is Dana Parker with Inner World Movement. Hi, my name's Steve Nobel. Here I am with Stacy and Sam on Be The Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be The Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And thank you again so much for tuning in this week. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would be so grateful for a five-star written review on iTunes. Reviews really help the show become more visible and spread the word to others. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by taking a moment to just get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out through your mouth releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you are ready to release in this moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself, and breathing out the light and love and sending it to all of humanity remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. Today, we are excited to have Steve Nobel with us here again. Steve is the author of five nonfiction books. The most recent is an ebook titled Starseeds. Steve has created a healing system called Soul Matrix, Healing for Starseeds, and offers a library of free resources, including meditations and transmissions, which are available on his website and YouTube channel. These meditations and transmissions are played all over the world so far. The platform has over 128,000 subscribers. Steve regularly runs events in the UK, Europe, and the US. His resources and offerings are here to help starseeds awaken and get on track with their mission here on Earth. So thank you so much for being here with us again today, Steve. Oh, pleasure, Stacey. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Uh, just one uh, adjustment was uh, with the events now, with all the stuff going in the world, I'm doing mostly online. Mm. But as soon as it all opens up again, hopefully I'll jump on the plane over to the, across the pond and, and elsewhere mm. and get that show on the road. Wonderful. Yeah, we're ready for that. Ready to, as things are starting to open up, um, hopefully that will become a reality for you again. Hope so. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Good to see you guys again anyway. And so tell us a little bit about since last time we talked, how have things been? What have been some um, 
happenings in the world or themes that you've noticed? Well, in the UK, um, we've been uh, coming out of lockdown. You know, I suppose most people in the world have that experience of going in and coming out. So I think by in another two weeks, the whole of the UK will be open. Everything, all of the restrictions gone. And uh, I've got my own little, uh, I can't show you. I've got my own little, I don't wear masks. I, I've got my own little exempt badge that says, you know, I am exempt. I, I really wanted to put it, my higher self says I'm exempt. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to freak out the population too much. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Um, so apart from that, I'm writing another book, which I'm nearly uh, will be finished in September, called "The Spiritual Entrepreneur." It's merging spirituality and business, and mm -hmm. which is my I really love the path of of being an entrepreneur because it gives freedom, space, it allows me to do what I need to do without anyone going, "You can't do that," or "Are you sure?" You know, and even offering books in the mainstream publishing world, I was always mindful of the publishers, you know, how they thought, well, now I just publish myself. I just mm. feel it's really great to be completely free and put out the message without having any filters. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, that's what I like about this journey. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, we started doing um, Starseed business networking meetings, very cheap, uh, easy way for people to connect with each other. And we've had 150 people on the first one, I think 100 on the second one. So they're monthly. I created a, did I mention my social media site I created, which I've got 11,000 star seeds on it. I've got my own little mini Facebook. Oh, no, no, I didn't. Yeah. Need, I don't think so. What, tell us more about that. Well, I got fed up with Big Brother Facebook because of all their um, shit fuckery that they were doing. <laughs> Yes, before I'm, we, before I'm, we I'm glad that, that, you, that you were able to insert that word in the, in the I wanted to get that word in anyway. <laughs> and I just got fed up with them, you know, um, with all the stuff they're doing. And um, I mean, they're not the only platform doing it. High censorship. And, you know, if you go along with their narrative, you're telling the truth. If you say anything opposite, then you must be a, you know, whatever. So I decided, I'm, you know, I'm fed up with them. I'm still on their platform, but it's, they're a necessary evil. So I created my own one. I, I, I had a, a vision 12 years ago to create one, but then I didn't do it. So I've created it now. There's about 11,000 people on it. It's a bit like Facebook, the whole groups and the messaging. If anybody's interested, just go to my website and you can just join up for free. Oh, so, wow. Very cool. And what's it called? Well, on my website, the soulmatrix.com, uh, if you go there, okay. I've called this, I've just renamed this uh, our social our social matrix is the actual mm. social spiritual facebook side of it so yeah oh, i love that yes. i love that definitely so I, i'm definitely going to join um so i think yeah. it's really important you know to have that safe place where you can have that free speech have that free freedom to say and speak you know the language you need to without repercussions of you know getting kicked off Facebook. I know there's a lot of um, people experiencing that right now. And, you know, and free speech has, hasn't been a thing for a while. Yeah. It's, isn't it a cornerstone of Britain and American politics, democracy, but actually Facebook seemed to get around it. They have their mm -hmm. own rules. And uh, yeah. I got fed up with um, the lack of free speech around the Maxine, Jezebel juice, whatever people call it. And so there, there is a group on my social media site where people can post information rather than ranting it's good to post mm. check this doctor out or mm -hmm. this video out mm -hmm. so it's more informational than uh anything else because a lot of people are in fear and anxiety about 
the bombardment of fear and anxiety and messages from every platform. And a lot of people, so what I think happens is that people, how do people know something is true? Well, the, the mainstream will go, well, if enough platforms say it's true, then all these intelligent people are coming to the same conclusion. Therefore, it must be true, mm -hmm. rather than they're all getting it from the same source and just pumping out in different ways, in different, mm -hmm. you know, different channels. So actually, I just find a credible, we're in a period of incredible propaganda. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been railing against and going, no, we've got to find our own platforms. It is waking people up, I think, because people are looking at it going, you know, where's our free speech? Uh, one friend of mine who's an author, he put on there right in the early days of the, the, the whole crisis, take vitamin C, high doses, it helps. He got blocked on oh, wow. Facebook by saying it. And he came out saying, look, Donald Trump was able to put two million pounds, two million dollars worth of adverts for, on Facebook. I was blocked for saying vitamin D is good. Vitamin C is good for you. Where's the where's the justice in it? Mm -hmm. And I, I got actually blocked for 10 days for putting a comment on someone's post. And I wasn't even mentioning directly the, the Maxine, but mm -hmm. they, I got blocked for 10 days. I thought, oh, they're really hot on hot on this. So yeah. I'm up with it. Yeah. Uh, have you noticed that? I mean, a lot of people, there is a lot of fear, right? We, we know that so people, they're getting all these the different information from all different sources, but it's also creating a lot of people to maybe look externally for the answers rather than internally and trust their intuition. And yeah. Yeah. I think people are going within to trust their intuition and also finding alternative sources of information. And there are people willing to put it out there and circumnavigating all these platforms. So, yeah, I recommend people do research, mm -hmm. check in, tune in with your own. Because if someone is being I had an email just before I spoke to you guys. And this, this is a, a young woman, young mother saying I'm being pressurized at my work to take the evil you know, jab. What do you say? And I'm like, well, you know, nobody should pressurize you. It's a bit like, I think it's a bit like smokers in the old days, you know, we're smokers, you're not one, you should join us, mm -hmm. then we feel okay about ourselves. Mm -hmm. If someone's taken this toxic jab, they should supposedly be all right. Why are they worrying about everyone else has to take it? You know, they're protected, so so called. That's the way I see it anyway. So uh, there we are. I mean, there's a lot of nonsense going on. In Britain, we had a tradition of uh, keep calm and carry on. You know those posters, keep calm and carry on? Mm -hmm. I was, I was, uh, when I was a kid, uh, the IRA were having a bombing campaign or a teenager in Britain. And it was keep calm, carry on in the war, second world war, keep calm, carry on. Now a few bugs are loose and everyone, everyone panic, you know, the message mm -hmm. is panic, be afraid. Mm -hmm. It's such a huge turnaround. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. I find. Yeah. And, and that, that panic though, I think uh, the media, the mainstream media has done a really good job of you know, kind of discombobulating our energy field so that we don't really know what to think or believe, you know, and so the mainstream, you know, people are really in a lot of fear, you know, and so they've, they're like, okay, well, now I, I just don't know what to believe. So they go into that panic, oh, I must get this, or I must do that. Um, and yeah. not I trust think their inner wisdom. It's unprecedented what we're seeing. We've never seen this level of propaganda ever. I don't think at any point in history before where even doctors coming on and saying, I have another view and they're going, you're a conspiracy, blah. And they're doctors or scientists, even scientists working the WHO, WHO come out. No, you're a conspiracy theorist. And the media are doing such a brilliant job at slamming and, and staining their character. I mean, from all angles, 
And journalists seem to have forgotten why they're there. Why journalists are meant to reveal true stories, but they somehow are not doing it now. Whether it's pressure in their organization from editors or owners, wherever it's coming from, there seem to be a universal, you know, we all have to buy into this nonsense and this story. Yeah. And so that kind of makes me think and also want to ask what you're, you know, what you're noticing with our timeline shifting. So we've got this, you know, the different timelines. And so we've been, I mean, I, we've been told that we're on the new timeline. Um, but where do you see us in the process? I think, uh, so I've been interested in prophecies for a while. And, you know, like prophecies are interesting because they mostly point to the same thing. They say, we're going through, an, we're ending an age of darkness and a new age of light starting, starting. And somewhere in the middle of that is a load of volatility. and so there's one uh, particular prophecy that I really like at the moment. It's called the, um, the Toltec prophecy of the sixth sun. And this new age is mm -hmm. the age of the sixth sun. Mm -hmm. And I met the author of this book years ago when he was trying to get it published. And, uh, and I only found it this year. And I read it. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, he says that the age of the sixth sun started on July uh, 1991. And an eclipse in July. They say they always begin with and end with eclipses. And that was the year I woke up in 1991. That was the very time where my father died. I started on my journey. By the summer, I was well on my way. And then he said the age of the fifth sun, the old fifth sun and the new sixth sun were equal power on the 21st of December 2012. So it wasn't that the world was magically going to change the next day, but it was we have this equal energy. And equal timelines and there are kind of a number of timelines you know which way we're going to go in this life and in other lifetimes beyond it he says that the, the, between 2012 and this year may 26 i think it was of this year there's going to be a number of, each year is going to be going through a level of the underground underworld mm -hmm. and it's trauma challenge purging that that journey ended this year of all this purging of collected gunk coming up so we're seeing probably this is the epicenter of the worst of it out, you know, mm -hmm. coming out and the, the black magicians behind the curtain, you know, Wizard of Oz type are being revealed now by the little Totos. They're pulling the curtain going, we can see the black magicians behind the curtains pulling all the strings. Mm -hmm. Whereas 20 years ago, we would have had no, you know, people weren't really talking about deep state or cabal mm -hmm. or Illuminati so much. But now it's like people are starting to see it's all coming out everywhere. Hollywood, uh, everywhere it's coming out. So now we're at this point of um, volatility, the highest point of volatility, volatility probably. And so the choice for a number of souls, and I think most souls on this planet are gonna choose to continue 3D on their own timelines, whatever mm -hmm. timeline that is. Some of those timelines lead to very, very dark tyrannies. You know, you can hear it. A lot of politicians talk about their plan, the one world government, you know, you heard all that, Bush and, uh, the Pope and Blair and all of them coming out like what what where's this one or new world order wasn't it the new world mm -hmm, order sorry right. new world order used to say Bush used to say it and I, and I think some English politicians all all at the same time coming out with a new world order suddenly they're dropping it but some people are choosing there is a timeline where they can go down that which is uh, one world government one world financial system one world you know control basically mm -hmm. that's not a timeline that any of us are going to be going down. 
there are other timelines which are more higher 4D to 5D, which we, we're choosing now. So a lot of people are, the world is splitting into those who are buying totally into the fear, those who are going, it's nonsense. I'm, you know, I'm connected to my source and I'm not buying the news and I'm going off where I'm being guided to go. There are some in the middle who are a bit confused and they hopefully will find their true way. And so now there, for star seeds, there are many um, timelines that lead in different directions. Uh, on this planet, many star seeds will come back to this planet in a higher 5D uh, version of it. You know, the, to shift our personal reality can take three or four years. In three or four years, we can change everything. Mm -hmm. The planet is not the same. It takes 50 years, 80 years to change. Mm -hmm. But if you think that the change started happening back in the 60s, where are we now? That's 60 years ago, wasn't it? 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. So flower power was that 60 years ago. Imagine all the Beatles and all that 60 years ago. That was the beginning of the wave. Now mm -hmm. we still got a decade or so before we're really totally in the higher vibration. We're still clearing out a lot of the energy. And that clearing out will take maybe a decade or so, you know, mm -hmm. to really start to stabilize. I think one of the first markers will be on the timeline when people start dropping war as an option. And maybe we're still several years or a decade away from that, where people realize, you know what, we're spending billions, it's ridiculous. That will be a marker of uh, let's start shifting. Let's maybe we can have our police forces, but why, why, like Costa Rica have got a police force, but they haven't got an army. You know, why America's spending, I don't know how much of your budget on the army and the military, 800 bases around the world. If imagine there was some kind of agreement where you know, I don't think Russia at the moment particularly is pushing for war. I think actually the West is more being more aggressive at the moment. Um, sure, I think there's issues around Ukraine and areas like that. But by and large, you know, I think Russia's got three bases outside of its territory. Three, I think some in Syria or somewhere. And if you think America's got 800, that's quite a hefty lot. If, you, if there was an agreement with Russia uh, that let's kind of scale back, downturn, and imagine America saved half of its military budget. I mean, a lot of the poverty that I see even in Britain and America would change. We wouldn't be seeing homeless. Like when I was in San Francisco, whole district full of homeless people. It's incredible to see it. Mm -hmm. uh, and probably I think Los Angeles might have the same. It's yeah. that would change overnight. You know, they'll be putting a lot more of that energy into education, housing. Let's hold the people rather mm -hmm. than let's, you know, put more money in the military industrial complex. That's going to still take a decade or so to unravel, I think but it's happening. Um, there'll, I think there'll be shifts in, uh, technology is shifting exponentially. If you think with the beginning of the internet back in, was the eighties, was it? Mm -hmm. The eighties. And now look at, look at it now, we've got a global village. Everything's in, all businesses are connected. You know, music is a whole new industry. Uh, publishing is a new industry. That's in 60 years that we're going through rapid shifts. The next 50 years, we won't even be able to understand what kind of shifts we're going to go through. Mm -hmm. So technology is also going to go uh, rapid. But I think what will happen is that technology is more and more going to come in line with let's protect the planet and advance technologically rather than let's create technologies that destroy the planet. How about aligning with the planet? I think that's going to happen. Um, so there's some of the idea that new technologies will come online for, for replacing oil and gas, I think. I mean, oil and gas, such an outdated mm -hmm. yeah. technology. You know, at least we, now we've got solar power, but, but there'll be other technologies coming on. Nuclear fish, fission, I think they call it. Um, creating nuclear energy 
uh, without all the waste. I mean, there are scientists working on this now, and some channels have talked about that. And there are all kinds of technologies waiting to come online. I remember one channel in, back, in the eight, back in the 90s saying, the technology is there, but is the consciousness of the planet ready for it? Mm. And I was like, wow, yeah, I hadn't thought about that. But uh, we're, we're, this is what we're waiting to see. As the consciousness shifts, then these things come online, new doors open, which mm. we can't conceive of at the moment because so much of the energy is being driven down these old, silly, um, you know, Hollywood has for years been channeling people's energy into Armageddon and dystopian time. If, if all that stops and we start focusing on, you know, just as we create our reality, reality individually, we create it collectively. If, if billions of people are focusing on nuclear war, then that is something we have to dismantle and mm -hmm. dissolve. You know, mm -hmm. that is not something we want to bring about. Right. And that sounds like a lot of like really dark masculine energy that's, you know, maybe healing or um, needing to come out and you know as the as we also are seeing the rise of the feminine and um and i know you you just did a meditation on um the reclaiming the dark feminine and so i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and how that might relate to this dark energy and and how we can um yeah what 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 does that mean to you like what was that um tell us a little bit more about that yeah, well, at, at a bigger level, and, uh, and there's a personal story with it as well, but at a bigger level, I think the old paradigm is about schism, separation, keeping, you know, it's light versus dark, it's masculine versus feminine. Feminine, we have to keep down, the masculine, we have to keep strong. And um, the goddess, you know, and if you look at old matriarchal cultures, the goddess was seen as a very all-powerful, benevolent figure. And then the, there was a global shift where more masculine kind of gods came in, in some cultures, there was a marrying of the gods and goddesses. In some cultures, there was a banishing. So if you look at Greece, for example, um, in ancient Greece, the, the new gods married the older gods and goddesses. So you had a fusion and it was a kind of weird energy for a while. There's like Athena was one of the newer goddesses. She was an ancient goddess that became transformed and became um, born out of the hip of Zeus so now you had women being birthed by men in the old myths mm. which is kind of a bit of a reversal you know I've never met any man that can birth birth a woman out of his hip I might be wrong but uh, it never <laughs> happened and so the, the goddess was banished and suppressed and the yin energy was banished and suppressed and so we had a dark masculine energy and patriarchal systems began to create these pyramidical structures Whereas the old systems were spirals, you know, the old matriarchal people sat in circles. There was uh, time was understood to be great spirals of time. Now we have pyramids, and at the top of the pyramids are the elite, and we still have those pyramids today. You know, at the top of our pyramids have trillionaires who have super amounts of wealth, like um, Mr. Bill Gates. I don't know if he's a trillionaire, but he's certainly a billionaire, dictating medical policy because he's got all this money, like. Mm -hmm. Not, hasn't even got any O level in biology or something. I don't think. Anyway, <laughs> so you have these dark um, these these dark pyramids, and so you have religious pyramids where the Pope is at the top of all the Catholic and Christian priesthoods, and you're at the bottom, and you have to go to God through all these priesthoods. There's no direct route anymore. Uh, the military, you have the general who who shouts at the sergeant, who shouts at the man. You know, have this kind of line of command. Uh, that's breaking down now because in this new energy, the goddess is returning. And we see it in the rise of women 
in spirituality. So your audience and my audience is 90% women, probably, mm -hmm. I imagine. Mm -hmm. If you look at the stats, I'll bet you you're going to, I think mine is probably over 90%. Um, there are some guys, I mean, the, 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 the guys who are interested are in touch with their feminine energy. So you might get a lot of people in the gay community, but also a lot of straight guys who are open to a new way of being. Um, part of the shift is, is uh, twofold. It's healing the distorted masculine. The distorted masculine is the old tyrant, the old boss, the old, I mean, I worked in the city of London in finance. I saw lots of adolescent leaders like shouting out at people and demanding, you know, this, that, and the other. I mean, just incredible stupidity. And, you know, um, the old boys club, I saw a lot of that, you know, and what are you going to buy with your next bonus? You know, a Porsche or another flat in Dubai. And this kind of ridiculous superficial stuff used to go on. So it's healing the distorted masculine and the dark masculine, um, which is all about control and manipulation. And it's reclaiming the old original masculine, which is, is kind of the wilder masculine, which is that wilder, I mean, if you think, for example, years and years ago in old tribal cultures, men were protectors, warriors. And to be a warrior was very different from a warrior now. Warriors now are, you know, if you think of the American War of Independence, it was the Redcoats marching, getting blown to bits, you know, and all of that. Uh, it's, it's you're no longer a warrior. You're a cog in a machine. You're like an industrial complex machine. Now warriors sit in front of computers sending missiles to someone they've never met before, you know. Mm. So it's reclaiming the wild masculine, which is not bound by any of these old systems. They're a bit wilder. They're a bit untamed. Uh, you know, my journey has been to reclaim that energy in myself. For women, it's not about it, the dark feminine is a bit different. The dark feminine is, uh, is the Medusa uh, in part, you know, that transmission of power was the Medusa. So Medusa myth is about uh, this beautiful young woman who worked in the temple of Athena and she was raped by one of the gods, Poseidon, apparently. And then the goddess Athena cursed her and banished her and cursed her to be demonic and cursed her into the underworld to, to have this head of snakes and to have this foul uh, look. And if she looked at anybody in the eyes, they would turn to stone. And then um, heroes were sent after her to kill her and chop off her head to capture this head, of this head that can turn men to stone. And I think that in the myth, Perseus kills her in one of the myths anyway. So reclaiming these myths is reclaiming the, uh, the goddess that's sent to the underworld. That the goddess that was originally this maiden serving the life force who become banished and demonized. And feminine powers become demonized, I think. And it's created this collective rage that's, that's part of what the transmission was doing. It's calling back the rage of the feminine that's been, you know, you'd been thrown out of the room basically get out of the room you know you're not in the room anymore you're not having any power anymore raise children look after the home but basically in every sphere of life you have no power including spiritual spheres because spiritual spheres now are all male priesthoods mm. so the woman's banished from everywhere and it's not just women it's men and women because men and women have the wild masculine and the kind of uh, feminine goddess energy so we've lost both mm. and this has created a lot of distortions in our world one of the biggest distortions is in relationships between men and women, because we have the stereotypical 1950s, you know, in America, was it Mad, Mad Men, is it? 
mm-hmm. where the men are smoking and the, the secretary is doing the little typing, mm-hmm. you know, and the guys are having all the power and making decisions. So now the, the feminine doesn't want that anymore. There's a big rise of the goddess coming back. And the goddess wants to find that place, not just in the spiritual zone, but everywhere. So I'm writing this book now, The Spiritual Entrepreneur, and it's also a lot about the energy of the goddess coming back into business. You know, uh, I've called one of one of the chapters, I think one of the chapters is the Medusa touch, because I've invited the Medusa back, uh, the energy of the feminine that's been discarded uh, for so long. And then to bring it into sacred union, which is the sacred marriage within the, the wild masculine and the, the kind of divine feminine in union, not as divorced parents a lot of people are running as divorced parents they may have a strong masculine and a strong feminine but they will not work together you know mm-hmm. or one will dominate the other some people have a strong feminine which dominates the masculine and go i don't want masculine energy in my life get out you know mm-hmm. uh, i used to work in or I used to train in anarchical feminist witchcraft back in the back in the 90s so i had a few years training in that and it was my initiation into that feminine energy that wanted to banish the masculine and it was like really full on. And I got right. This is the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, where the, the masculine is banished. Mm. And I, I, I stood there. I went in that system for a while until I couldn't tolerate it anymore. But I got some great learnings and it was a great experience. So now it's about not banishing any of them. It's not about dominating. It's about unifying the two. Mm. That's the key. So my journey with the Medusa went back 15 years ago where I started feeling her energy a lot. Um, I remember seeing vans passing by with her face on it, like a beautiful face with snakes and mm. like Medusa media or something. And, mm. and I even did a workshop where I made a statue out of clay pottery of the Medusa, this with long flowing green hair. And I did work magically or energetically for a while with it, but it's quite strong energy to work with. And I didn't feel really strong enough until now to release that one because mm. there's enough collective people following me to, we all do it together. It's not really a, one person thing it's a group healing thing i think calling back the 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 suppressed feminine yeah so definitely noticing um you know i mean as a collective you know we've been so we've suppressed the feminine for so long and the masculine too the masculine you know there's you know been told to um you know, sit in desks, you know, and, and just in, if we're too active, like, you know, especially boys, you know, active in school, they're given, you know, ADHD medication, ADHD medication, you know, women are not, you know, need to, they need to suppress their feminine by, um, yeah, being submissive and, you know, not like really speaking their truth. And so, it, but like, there's also this balance, like you, you mentioned too, of like, you know, the balancing and, and honoring that divine feminine. And I love the wild masculine. I've, I've heard that term and I, I just love that. Um, and so, but embracing that within. So how does it, how do we truly learn to embrace that masculine and uh, feminine within ourselves? Yeah, well, I think all of us have a dominant energy, you know, dominant either masculine or feminine. And you can tell by, the way a person acts or thinks or is in the world so there are a lot of women with a very strong masculine energy mm-hmm. they're very good with boundaries they're very good with time they're even good with money they're good with um you know and there are a lot of feminine men who are very artistic and flowing and that's you know when i used to work in alternatives this spiritual organization there was i used to laugh when people say it i'd say you know 
how, what would you like to do for an event or a talk? They go, well, let's just go with the flow. Let me just feel into it. And I'm like, no, we've got a deadline. You know, we've got to put this sort of program and advertise it. We can't just go with the flow and see how you feel about it. You've got to say what it is and do it, you know. So um, if you've got a strong feminine, they'll, as I say, and a, a, a kind of disowned masculine, time, money, boundaries, all kinds of stuff will go out the window. If you've got a very strong masculine and disowned feminine, you may be very good with boundaries, very good with business, very good with work, but creativity and flow will just not happen or new ideas, or you won't be able to just download something. If you, if you say to a, a, a guy with a strong masculine, you know, I just downloaded that. He'll look at you and go, what are you talking about? If you look at Tesla and um, Edison, so Edison was this masculine scientist who did a thousand experiments to, to get the light bulb. He was pedantic beyond belief, really. And you get a, a Tesla who comes in and just downloads and it drove Edison mantle. He says, you're not scientific. You can't just imagine it, work it out in your head and put it on the paper, which he could. It did do that, but Edison couldn't get it. And so to balance, first of all, you need to know where you are what's my strongest energy um and from there just kind of look at that energy and feel okay from this pl place of power i've got to reach out to the other side and invite it back in there's also going to be processing any stories or resistance to inviting that energy back in and there's all kinds of reasons why we, we banish one side a simple reason might be we grew up in a family with a dominant father who's aggressive or a dominant mother who's controlling or whatever and we go i don't like that energy i'm going to go with that energy actually mm. um or we may have spent many lifetimes embracing one and disowning the other so we come in naturally disposed to one and not the other but the challenge in this lifetime is the sacred marriage and uh, to look closely at um let's say i have i've always felt i had a stronger feminine energy and then i wanted to embrace the masculine back so I would sit and go, you know, I want to invite my wild masculine back. I do not want to invite my wild masculine back. Which one is the stronger? And I'd go into the energy of it and go, oh, I do not. Actually, there's an energy of I don't really want to. Why not? And I go and sit with it. What is this energy of I don't want to? And try and unpack it and open it up. Well, I don't trust it, let's say, for example. Mm -hmm. So you sit with that. I don't trust it. Why would I not trust it? And then you unpack it and unpack it and unpack it because a lot of the resistance to embracing the side is unconscious and unknown, and we have to make it known. And when we make it known, we can go, but that's ridiculous. I'll invite it back now, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there's a process of, uh, you know, or a dance of, you know, toe touching, you know, is it, is, can I work with this, you know? Um, a classic example of it not working would be, we're trained to be logical and not intuitive. And so if we go through the education system, we're trained to disown our intuition and trust our logic. We have to reverse this. We have to start. So many people I meet go, I don't know what my intuition is. I don't know what it is. And they have to reclaim their intuition. Or um, one, one or two women that I know um, had to disown their creativity at a young age because their parents did not like they wanted them to have professional yang jobs, get rid of this yin creativity stuff. Mm -hmm. And so their whole journey was reclaiming the creative side. And this, I mean, it's a, it's a multi-layered journey. It's not just one thing you can do to go, there's many different layers of it, intuition, creativity, um, boundaries, you know, um, being in the flow. There's all these different aspects that we can start working together. It's kind of like a, 
a, a process of making something that can take time and noticing where something doesn't want to work together. Why not? And just try and work that out. And it's a slow process of coming together. And then it happens. You know, I think my journey has been working with the masculine and feminine for years, trying to get them to work together. Mm-hmm. And, and when they work together, you can download and you can put it out and be successful with it. And yeah. I think that's what I'm doing. I'm downloading a transmission. I throw it out and I got the latest one I put out had 10,000 plays in one night. And mm-hmm. so that's it. I put it, I download it and I work it and I put it out and then people listen to it. And that's a sign of kind of these two energies working together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm noticing too. I mean, just like in my own journey, you know, trying to working to balance the masculine and feminine for a long time, I actually was rejecting the feminine. And so when, as I've been, cause I was always very goal focused and wanting to like you know, achieve. And, and so, and I still have that energy, but then I'm also inviting more flow and like my, my new favorite um, expression is I'm just going to let it flow and see how, you know, where it goes. And I've been doing that for the last like year. And it's like, things have been magically happening when I allow the two energies to come together. And so it's just been a beautiful journey. Have you, because I'm not quite sure if I remember your background, were you, did you go through the corporate world? Um, I've actually been, I, I'm a psychotherapist. So I, I've gone through school, um, but I've also always been like very athletic and, you know, so I've been really goal focused there, like writing a book and, you know, just things like that. Just very, so no, I, not the corporate okay. world though. But, well, psychotherapy yeah. is also academic yang world, mm-hmm. I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. you know you've got to get so. your essays on time the thesis and you get critiqued and mm-hmm. and and so that's quite a yang world also from what i've seen of it so if you've been through a yang world to succeed as a woman in a yang world you become yang mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of women have done you know they become mm-hmm. yang to cope and then they have to come and they come out of it and go well i need to reclaim the yin so I had a spiritual teacher years ago. She's passed now called Jill Edwards, brilliant teacher. And she had a dream right at the beginning of her journey. She's a very young psychotherapist who embraced spirituality. And in a dream, she was at a party. And at the party, she met a silver haired woman. And the silver haired woman led her out on the balcony looking at the stars. And then the silver haired woman left. And somewhere in the dream, she saw that the silver-haired woman was being strangled by a golden-haired woman. Mm-hmm. And she realized that the yang part of her was still trying to block the feminine part of her. Mm-hmm. And so this was part of her process of how do I embrace the goddess and, and allow the masculine part of me to support the feminine rather than try and strangle it. Mm-hmm. And that's a process, really. It's a process. Yeah. I love that. And just really tuning into that energy and seeing where you're um, strangling that part of yourself, essentially. That's, yeah, a really powerful and now like visual. Yeah, it's a powerful dream, really. I yeah. Think. And, uh, so yeah. I'm also noticing just like a lot of twin flames coming in, coming together more and more. And like twin as flames. the, you know, maybe the balancing of the divine feminine you know wild masculine um and i'm noticing they're they're coming more coming out more and more activating each other i'm wondering um if you could talk a little bit about that yeah okay i think i mentioned you before the talk that i have an unconventional view of it and uh, Mm -hmm. i have put some posts out on social media and some people don't like it but 
I found in my own experience and the experience of all my clients, the same pattern running, which was, so I met someone I thought was a twin flame years ago. And she actually catalyzed my journey big time. Yeah. And I think twin flame energies come not, not, not really to marry you, but to catalyze you because the soul is not particularly interested in you marrying another part of your soul. It's not like, oh, wouldn't that be nice? That's so sweet. One part of my soul is marrying another. That's so cute. <laughs> I mean, this, the goal of the soul is growth. The primary goal is growth. It's not interested in cuteness. So in this time of acceleration, one part of you, your soul family may come and meet another part. And it creates an intense um, chemical interaction, a chemistry, an intense energetic connection. And this is why a lot of people go, oh, my God, I met so I've had so many lifetimes with you. It's incredible. You're the other part. You complete me. And, you know, well, you complete me and all that. And what tends to happen in almost universally um, in twin flame connections, which is super, super strong, is that there's a dance some people either don't even get in the dance. They just kind of obsess about someone they met once at some party or something. But there's usually a dance for a few months. It's intense. One person breaks away because it's too much. And then the other person pines. Where have they gone? Come back. And they hope the other person will come back. But the other person, they may come back, but only momentarily. They'll come back just to continue the catalyzing process if you need another kick. But then they'll go again. And I've dealt with, you know, I've seen thousands of clients and they don't all have the twin flame energy, but every single one that's brought it up has the same push-pull energy. Mm. Someone's entered my life, kicked me, left, and now I'm bereft. Where have they gone? I have, I've had two or three people running businesses on twin flames come to me and saying the same thing. And I said, you're running this business. Where's your twin flame? Well, he's not speaking to me now but I know he's coming back. And I'm like, really? How do you know he's, well, no, I'd say what's happening. Oh, they told me never to call them again on the phone. Don't speak to me ever again. I think that's a strong message that your twin flame is not going to come back, but they live in hope. You know, this is the kind of romantic thing. I think, um, I think you mentioned before that there are different twin flames. There are twin flames at different vibrations of the journey. So if we're starting the journey, there's one we can meet, there'll be a twin flame. Then if we up our energy, there could be another one. And then we up our energy in another one. And I, I think the ones we meet at higher levels are probably easier. But again, they're not meant to, to marry us. And it's not that we're going to meet untold number of these people. And if you go back in time, if I was to go back and meet the person that I thought was this twin flame 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I wouldn't have the same feeling anymore. I don't know. Well, I don't have the same feeling now. She did a brilliant job of catalyzing me. And actually, we did stay in touch a little bit afterwards. And in one of the messages she sent me, she said, I just can't understand it. We've swapped places where I was at. Now you're at and, then, and where you were at. Now I'm at. I was a director of a spiritual organization. She became a director of a spiritual organization. She was very edgy on this creative journey. I became edgy on the creative journey. We swapped places completely. And it helped me enormously because I was just so clinging on to my old life. Um, there is, there is soul, there's various levels of intensity of soul family. And if you meet someone with a soul connection, it can be gentler, loving. You can marry them. And that's, that's great. You may have had lots of lifetimes with them. I think a lot of people confuse the levels of intensity because for, for a lot of people, the intensity is just too much. You can't cope with that level of intensity. It's gentler. You don't want to marry someone that's going to give you kind of like palpitations, you know, for four months. You're going to, 
you know, like, thank God they've gone. You know, I want something gentler and easier and more relaxing. You know, it's, you don't want to be challenged and stressed every single day, um, which a, a twin flame can do that. They're coming mm -hmm. to challenge you <laughs> in every way possible. So, yes, people will find soul family, will meet twin flames. And I do think that the most important thing is don't think about marrying them. You know, it's just it's just going to put you in a whole pseudo romantic delusion that when the bubble bursts, it creates a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And that may be fine. Maybe the pain is what you need to kickstart your journey. But uh, anyway, you've, Stevie has told you. So now, you know, <laughs> everyone <Stevie>. listen. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle Stevie. <laughs> um, one thing that, that you uh, mentioned and that really resonated with me was the whole uh, romanticizing of of it all um because i i i do romanticize a lot of things and uh um and when i first got introduced to the whole twin flame concept my mind immediately went to the person i'm supposed to be with forever you know physically romantically it's 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 me and them you know um and it seems like that um some meditations that i found some twin flame meditations that i found do kind of lean people more towards you want to find your twin flame for you know marriage and for romantic and 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 this that and the other thing but it seems like that that is a very 3d way of thinking you know because it's, it's it's like you said with uh the soul could care less about you know, who you marry in the physical realm, you know, that that seems like that's all, like I said, like all three dimensional. And some of it, uh, I think is society driven, but some of it is also, you know, are emotionally driven uh, to where we need that that socializing, we need that camaraderie, you know, humans need to be with humans, we're social creatures. Um, so my i guess i guess my question would be you know number one how do we get out of that three-dimensional way of thinking when we talk about a, a twin flame or if we if we recognize somebody as being a twin flame or a soulmate or you know how do we get out of that three-dimensional of i must have this person physically i must have this person romantically instead of you know listening to your soul and my soul doesn't care about that my soul cares about you know this person helping my soul to grow and change and my soul helping this soul to grow and change. Yeah. Well, I think across the pond in America, you have an interesting culture. Uh, I mean, I do love America. I love the people, but some aspects of the culture are challenging. You probably do also find it challenging. So for example, spirituality and materialism has got wrapped up together because, you know, the American dream is everyone can do it. Everyone can make it, you know, I think was it Rumsfeld in one of the rallies, Republican rally go, you know, my father was a, someone on the railway, look at me, you know, yay, you know, <laughs> everyone can make it, everyone can do it. And the idea that th this idea has got wrapped up, um, Walt Disney, for example, has taken a lot of myths and a lot of stories and wrapped them up with this beautiful, wonderful, happy, you know, the, the prince always meets Prince Charming, you know. But if you look at the original myths of um, the, the Walt Disney called pulled upon for example was it um, Cinderella if you read the original myth of Cinderella it's not the sweet she drops the silver thing and goes down and Prince Charm 
you know, in the original myth, it was more bloody and more bloodthirsty and more gruesome. Actually, a lot of these myths were gruesome, but of course that wasn't okay for the American and British publics because, you know, the Great Depression, we want everyone to feel good. And so this is this kind of feel good factor and this feel good factor and this kind of materialism has seeped into modern day spirituality. I think a lot of it does come in America. I mean, certainly in Britain also and other parts, but I think because America is kind of the capital of, you know, uh, the Puritan work ethic and all of it, it's got really wrapped up. So when I saw things like The Secret, you know, The Secret was great. When I saw The Secret, the film, I thought, isn't it great? But then I saw, hey, it's kind of wrapped up in materialism. You know, do you want a car? Do you want a brick house? Do you want a beautiful swimming pool? Would you like a beautiful wife like me? <laughs> sure, just see it happen, you know, all this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was kind of great to introduce the law of attraction in many ways, but of course, I think one of the people who uh, was one of the founders on it was Abraham Hicks, just jumped out going, this is not what I was talking about. You've kind of wrapped it up in this wonderful pink bow. And that, and so she left. Um, and of course, uh, Abraham was one of the people that did introduce one of them that introduced the law, law of attraction. So the whole romantic myth of um, you too can have a mansion. You too can have a beautiful wife. You too can have a lovely life. You know, the idea of spirituality has become wrapped up in you can manifest what you want, meaning you can have an ideal life, meaning you'll never have any challenge. It'll all be beautiful, wonderful. But actually, all the old teachers used to say that the spiritual path is a razor's edge and you walk it. Only the brave walk it. It's not like let's go to the workshop and manifest everything. Once you go along the path, it be, there is challenges on the path because your ego will be challenged. You know, our ego is challenged. Anywhere we hold delusions or false ideas or, or silly stories, which just don't make sense, you know, we just kind of bought into some weird story. The path will challenge it and, and go, wake up, wake up. And that's why the twin flame comes in and goes, wake up, you know, wake up. Here's, here's the bubble. We're going to burst it now. Here's, here's a big pin. Boom, you know. <laughs> Where's my lovely romantic bubble? You were supposed to be the one, you know, all of this. But really, if people realize that actually it's a great way to look at the ego stories, the ego myths and the ego life scripts and start to update them and bring them up to become more mature because our ego has to mature. And it's no good going along the spiritual path, bringing a load of light, carrying an immature ego, because at some point it's going to create absolute mayhem for the person. So the path is meant to upgrade our ego. Our ego is not meant to be destroyed or incinerated. It's meant to upgrade. So our ego goes, oh, our personality self is able to hold a new view, a new per perspective, a new possibility. That's the whole idea. And, you know, this old Disney romanticism, it's just been force fed us for years, you know, back in from the 30s, I think we've been fed these stories. I remember Tolkien who wrote The Lord of the Rings. Um, when he died, he said, for goodness sake, never let Disney have my book because he will destroy it. And fortunately, Peter Jackson got hold of it and they, and they actually did a reasonably good job, I thought, on The uh, Lord of the Rings. So quite, I, I love that book, Lord of the Rings. Um, so I think they did a good job. So, and they didn't, I mean, even in The Lord of the Rings, they romanticized, they did a few things to romanticize it a little bit, but it was okay. We can forgive them for it. <laughs> One of the, um, an image that I love that's always helped me, you know, really embrace how relationships ebb and flow, because I think, you know, in the past I've, I've attached to relationships or attached to situations. And, and so 
recognizing, you know, this flow of energy and seeing relationships as a flow of energy. And so people are going to ebb and flow out of our lives. And some people are going to be there for a reason, a season or a lifetime. I always come back to that because it resonates so deeply. And so we recognize that everyone's just energetically flowing in and out and you're going to attract the people that are going to be at your vibrational level. And, and at some point they might flow out of your life, but then they're, you know, more people or, you know, the space, the energetic energy will be available for someone else to flow in and, you know, continue to create your own soul's evolution. So that, that concept and that thought, you know, has always really just helped me not attach to, you know, people and things. It's about how can we help each other grow as we're vibrationally matched for each other in this now moment. Yeah, that's beautiful way of putting it. Yeah, we are, we are upgrading all of our relationships. I mean, it's fine if a mother or a father flows out and flows back in or a brother or sister or a friend. Slightly more tricky when a wife or mother of your children decides to flow mm -hmm. out and flow back. Of course, that's a little bit more right. tricky. It's a little bit more tricky maybe when a business partner decides to, to do something else. Um, so these areas are business partnerships, marriage partnerships, or, or um, common law partnerships mm -hmm. are the areas of maybe more challenge. But I think even having a more looser area, getting really clear on um, where, where, so before entering into a marriage or entering a business partnership, deciding where am I going? Who am I? What am I about? And then it's easier to find the right person on the same vibration. But if you have no idea, so when I married, I was 21 when I married. I had no idea who I was, no idea what I was about. Mm -hmm. I was kind of knew that I was weird. My ex-wife knew that I was weird and she tried everything to do to keep me not weird, keep me normal. But then when I started waking up after 15 years of marriage, it was very tough for her because I was no longer that person and I changed. And so that means our vibration broke because I was on a new path and she was not willing to shift up. So I think a lot of relationships do naturally, if they naturally harmonize in vibration, but if one person starts accelerating on the spiritual path, the other one's going, hey, where are you going? Come back, come back down, come back to my level. Let's watch Netflix, let's go smoking, let's go raving, let's do all the things that keeps our vibration. And most breakups happen because of the vibrational dissonance. So if you choose a partner that's roughly on your journey where you're going, then you'll grow together and, you know, all well and good. And even if you do flow out, you're more likely to be more friendly about it, more, you know, uh, it won't be these horrible divorces that you hear about mm -hmm. where one person starts increasing in light and the other person starts taking the court. I mean, I've had clients with nasty mm -hmm. court battles where the other person is really angry about mm -hmm. you've left me. You've, you, why, where have you gone? Why have you betrayed me? But it's only vibrational. They don't understand it really. Mm -hmm. So it creates, creates a lot of problems. I've got one client who's um, million billionaire uh, ex-husband is creating so much problems with her in the courts and uh, because he has the money to do it. You know, in America, you know, he can take the court, the wife to court left, right and center. It's caused absolute mayhem for her because she started accelerating and he didn't like it. So. Yeah, I think, you know, when we do start to look at it differently, we can we change the meaning too about what it means for us. And so that betrayal, I mean, you might, you know, I think it's important to recognize that those feelings are going to come up because that's the humanness part of us. So you know, and, and going through the feelings, you know, the dark energies and, and the shadow, that's, 
you know, looking at that, because um, that, you know, I think, yeah, part of our, our human makeup, right? And, and recognizing that we have to honor those feelings as well. And then when you come out of that, you know, recognizing what was the meaning, the gift, the lesson, you know, of those relationships and, and what was the purpose behind that? Yeah, I think there are, there are lessons, uh, as you mentioned. So if someone has a primary lessons to learn about love, they may, less, they may find that they're encountering betrayal, heartbreak, as well as the joy of love, which is part of the spectrum of the lesson. If they have lessons around self-expression, they might find themselves in a relationship where they're not allowed to voice. And they're actually going through the opposite for a while until they find another relationship where they can express. It's a whole range of expression. But I think relationships are changing. Romantic relationships are changing because um, when I set up my social media cha uh, channel, I, I have all these kind of boxes, name, address, country of residence, uh, gender. And when I had to click gender, it was like male, female, other, don't want to say. But then I, I looked around and asked for advice. And it apparently is a hundred different ways nowadays of, of describing your gender. And mm -hmm. So I, put, I don't know if I put a hundred, but I put probably about 30, you know, non-binary, pansexual. I don't even know what a lot of these terms mean, you know, uh, gender fluid. And I think so people have all these different ways of describing themselves now. If you went back to Mad Men in the 50s and, and someone said, you're a man, you're a woman, you're straight or not, even not straight would be hidden. Now there's this whole range of spectrum around sexuality, which I think is really uh, encouraging that people are breaking out of old boxes and breaking down. It's challenging probably for a lot of men because that box was very safe and nice for a lot of men. I know, you know, I come home, my dinner's made and the wife does the cooking and, and for women, maybe breaking that old box is more liberating. You know, it's nice. I have a voice. I can, I can create a business. I can write a book. I can go to work. You know, I can earn as much money as men. And I think for men, it's been a bit more challenging if women become more successful or more earn more money, you know, that, and I've, chatted to my partner about it because you know even though at the moment i'm doing slightly better and i said but look if you if you start any more money i'll just sit back i'll make i'll do the i'll do the washing up and make the cocoa and everything you know great i'll i'll, uh, I'll have a i'll have a bit of free time from it yeah. so it's you have to process these roles uh in relationships you know um they're very important to know um where's my limit mm -hmm. and where do i feel very uncomfortable going mm -hmm. beyond in terms Excellent. of and and you know there's open relationships now people exploring open relationships and of course this the whole area of jealousy comes up and transparency uh you, you've heard of that book the ethical slut i think wasn't that the bible of open relationships mm -mm. there's a book called the ethical slut which gives you all the ins and outs of what to mm -hmm. do and um and i've met some people who have gone into this and explored it and which apparently you know it's fine to have relationships as long as you're totally transparent about it mm -hmm. and i've met some couples where they've blown up because suddenly one relationship was hidden for some reason and the relationship blew up mm. because the transparency was gone for whatever reason mm. and it's not uncommon actually as well yeah yeah, I think that is definitely a really big piece of that is, you know, the trans well, transparency and then being as open and knowing thyself um, is really important in those, you know, types of relationships. Um, but I'm also, I'm wondering um, if, 
we would have time for a little meditation um, today. Is that something oh. you'd be able to to do? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I tell you, what, if you make me a co-host, I can also add some music if you like. Okay. Beautiful. I meant to ask at the very beginning. So. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Spontaneous. Uh, spontaneous uh, meditation. <laughs> spontaneous meditation. <laughs> Let me just get my music ready. And uh, where is it? There we go. Okay. So music's ready. Am I able to share? Yeah. Let me share my music. Okay. Let me know if this uh, is coming through. Oh, wait a minute. Let's go back to the beginning. Okay. So it should come through in a second. We could hear it. Okay. So this music is channeled by Michael Hammer, and it's called um, <clears throat> Entering the Void. So if you close your eyes, close your eyes and breathe. And with your in-breath, inviting more light into your body, more light. And on the out-breath, purging and releasing all lower energies from the body, the cells, the bones, the blood, back to the light. Following that cycle of breath. On the in-breath, light from the stars, the sun. And then on the out-breath, sending all lower energies back to the universe, allowing more space in your body for more light. And let's call your team and spirit of the highest light and resonance, the higher self, I am presence, all helpers, guides, angels, archangels, star beings, star councils, all specialist teams working with you to hold the space, come be with you now. Let's call the Archangels of the Horizontal Plane. In the East, Raphael, Archangel of Air, Healer Magician. The energy of this angel is Emerald Green Fire. Invite that fire to hold the space. To the South is Michael, Archangel of the Sun, Archangel of Fire. The symbol is a flaming blue sword of light and the energy electric blue fire. Invite that fire to hold the space. And open. And the third angel to the west is, is Gabriel, Archangel of Water. The energy of this angel is diamond white fire. Invite the energy to hold the space. To the North Uriel, Archangel of Earth. The energy is ruby red fire. Invite that energy to hold the space. Four angels, four energies, and open. 
let's call Metatron from the great central sun to bring down that light from the great central sun into the room, the space, the walls, the floor, the ceiling. Feel that energy opening in the heart, anchoring the grid of light in the heart. Allow chakras from the heart upwards to align with the great central sun. And to the earth below, Sandophon of the diamond white crystalline grid. Invite that light up to the feet, the legs, grounding you into the grid of the earth. And up to the heart and anchoring into the heart. Open the inner channel between heaven and earth. Six archangels holding the space. Let's call the energy, if there is any energy in your body, of the distorted masculine, the dark masculine, any energy of the dark masculine that's yours personally or collectively, you're connected to. The wounded masculine, wherever that is in your energy field or body. With your breath, notice if there's any energy of the old wounded masculine. Let's call in angels from the sun, solar fire angels from the sun, to hold that energy in your body, to begin to shift it and uplift it and clear and cleanse that energy of the dark masculine, the old masculine, old tyrannical ways of being, controlling ways of being, aggressive ways of being, narcissistic ways of being. Allow light from the sun to hold that energy to uplift it and transform it. Let's invite the wounded feminine in your energy field. If there is any energy of the wounded feminine, the suppressed feminine, the banished feminine, notice where in your body or energy field does that energy exist. Invite that forward. Let's invite angels from the sun, the great central sun, to hold that energy, to upgrade it, shift it. So holding the wounded masculine and the wounded feminine, light from the sun, begin to shift the energy, releasing any collective ideas, opinions, belief systems, that need to be released from your energy field around the old masculine and old feminine. Upgrading and shifting into light, these two older energies, expanding in light. So not banishing them, but upgrading them, clearing and healing them. Let's also invite the divine feminine into your energy field. Your connection to the divine feminine in the body, in the energy field, as light. Allow this divine feminine energy from the sun and from the earth 
begin to embrace the wounded feminine. The wounded feminine. Divine feminine merging with the wounded feminine, upgrading, loving, nurturing the wounded feminine. But let's invite the wild masculine as divine God from the sun and the earth into your field as light, known as the green man in old pagan times, flowing through nature. Allow that energy to embrace the wounded masculine the wild masculine, embracing the wounded masculine, upgrading, holding space for the wounded masculine. Two energies inside of you, the masculine and feminine, going through a process, a shift, Invite those energies to touch the masculine, to reach out to the feminine, the feminine to reach out to the masculine, to begin to touch and connect with each other. And notice if that's an easy connection or not. Give permission now for these two energies to interact between you, not as divorced parents, but as equal partners. Allow those two energies to get closer, closer. Begin to interact in a more powerful, more intense, deeper way. Notice all the connections that begin to form between the masculine and feminine. Bridges of light, threads of light. Connecting the left and right hemisphere of the brain. Connecting your heart to the head. Connecting your body to your spirit healing all of these old schisms. And allow those two energies to merge inside of you, to merge inside of you. Merge inside of you as one energy. And if they do merge, let's ask for a symbol of light from your higher self that represents this merging and this union of the two. A symbol can be anything from a crystal, a diamond, some other precious gem, a flower, a lotus, a rose, a rainbow, a geometrical shape, a golden ankh, a Celtic cross, a Merkabah, a symbol representing the union of these two energies. Allow that symbol to come to awareness and bring that symbol into your heart, merging into all layers, levels of your heart. Replicate that symbol and place it into every chakra from crown to base, merging in every chakra. Replicate that symbol and bring it into the very cells of the body, billions of cells, every cell radiating a symbol of light, representing unity consciousness. and open and breathe. Allowing this unity to begin to unify in the cells, the bones, the blood, the organs, the systems of the body, 
allow this unification to go deep into the chakra system, into the emotional and mental bodies. And breathe. And just take your time coming back. Allow the energy to be absorbed into your field. Allow it to come back. Wiggle your fingers and toes. Allow the integration to go deep to continue after this meditation. Each side supporting the other so that you're a whole being, not a divorced parent. Wholeness, unity. The masculine supports the feminine. The feminine supports the masculine. It's an infinity symbol, a virtuous cycle. And begin to come back, come back. Yeah. Wow, that was the best spontaneous meditation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. That was uh, that was really some really powerful stuff. Um, I feel like I should share a little bit of what I was, you know, what was coming to me when you were talking about uh, bringing in the the uh, the dark masculine and the dark feminine. I had this image in my in my head of the masculine, dark masculine holding down the dark feminine, like the masculine was you know like we were talking about this uh, this whole um, time kind of the dominant you know my way or the highway kind of energy, and then the the feminine was more of like a broken feminine, you know, like we were talking about, you know, the, the housewife in the fifties, you know, that didn't have a say in anything and all that. Um, and I just visualized, you know, it just popped in my head, the masculine holding down the feminine, but when, um, you know, we gave him permission to, to, to kind of connect together and the symbol, as soon as, as soon as you mentioned the symbol, the thing that popped in my mind was the Pharaoh's eye you know, oh. the, the Egyptian eye. I'm not really sure why, mm. um, but it wouldn't like, I couldn't change my mind at that point. It was so like, just, just ingrained and it wasn't going anywhere. So I was, uh, yeah, that was really, I'm going to have to kind of sit with that for, for a yeah. little bit, I think. And, and, you know, like you said, you know, start to un, unpack some things. So mm. sounds like the eye of Ra. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly yeah. what I envision. Yeah. Okay. You should check it, check it out. The I eye should check it out. Yeah. See what that uh, means. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Sounds really beautiful. Really intensely yeah. beautiful. It was very, <laughs> the intense part. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, cause when you said, uh, oh, let's have a meditation. My mind went, oh shit okay and open tell me <laughs> and so uh, by now i've kind of trust them enough to go okay it's all right they will something will happen mm. so uh whereas um you know in the early days i'm like oh god is something going to happen will it happen and you get in the way of it mm. all whereas now right. i just kind of go okay what is it and then i just follow it and mm. see what happens really mm. i haven't done this one before i don't think no i haven't done this one before Wow. Maybe I should put it out on the YouTube channel eventually. Get, get it down. Absolutely. It was really, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it, you know, can help a lot of people open up to those hidden parts of themselves. I found that my 
um, energy. I was, I was able to bring them together. Um, but it was like, for me, it was like expansive. Like I felt like the, it was giving permission for the wounded feminine because there's still parts of me that, you know, suppress that and make it not okay. Um, and so, but I allowed her to be there and then embrace and connect with that, you know, the, the, the wild masculine. And from there, I just felt her energy just expand. And so oh, nice. that, and I got the, I got that the symbol of the Merkaba in my heart space. And so um, that was really powerful. Just, um, I've really connected with the Merkaba and, and it just like, as soon as, you know, I went through my chakras and I just felt the yeah, expansive energy oh, just vibrating. So it was, wow. yeah. That's incredible. Really. Cool. Everyone has a different experience, really. I mean, I, I took a client recently, actually, um, a woman uh, in the corporate world, and she's a very young woman, very good. She's climbed the top of the pyramid. She's really mm. successful. She earns so much money, but she wants to make clothes and have a fashion design type of thing. Mm. She made even her own little label. But it's like, yeah, just a hobby, you know. Who, who... And then I, we did a journey and her energy of this creative artist was like a blazing sun underneath the ocean. The ocean was covering it, but this mm. blazing energy was there. I'm like, whoa, this is very strong. And mm. I got her to merge with it, step into it, expand it. And, and I'm going, you know, you can be in this corporate world and do what you're doing, but I don't think you're going to be there for very long this energy is going to have its way, you know, mm. and she's already feeling it. She's already feeling, you know, I don't know how much longer I can tolerate this corporate world mm. after having 20 years of building, getting up there. Yeah. Now it's like, where do I jump from the pyramid? Mm. <laughs> and just learning to trust that energy. I think when we can jump into the flow of that energy and trust, you know, we will be led to where we are going to be feeling most fulfilled yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, we have to trust the energy, you know. Mm -hmm. And we don't always know. When I left the corporate world, it was like, you know, do I trust my heart? Oh, I don't know. Do mm -hmm. I, should I? Oh. Mm -hmm. And I went backwards and forwards for a while. And then in the end, I just went, you know what? I'm, I'm out. And then mm -hmm. it was a glorious two years of journey of finding my way. And it was quite an adventure, really. Really, mm -hmm. it, it was not easy. I don't think it's always easy. But um, the challenges really opened up a lot of my resources. And, and I'm, I, you know, now, I, when I look back then, and if I, if I said to myself, you'll be doing interviews and you'll be writing books and you'll be doing coaching and creating a healing system, my old self would have gone, oh, my God, I can't believe any of that. It's just too much. Mm. You know, you can't see that journey where it's going to lead. It's kind mm. of potential of every human yeah. being is incredible, really. Yeah, and trusting the uncertainty and the unknown, I think, is key to yeah. that. And yeah, absolutely, because yeah. we can't, we don't know. But but if we trust and we go with that flow, then we'll, you know, I think our soul always leads us to the places we need to be. Yeah, but most people want a plan. They want a strategy. Mm -hmm. I'll do it if you give me a plan. And like, well, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a big falling out years ago with this friend of mine at a board meeting of this organization said, what's your five-year business plan? And I'm like, I haven't got one. I've got no interest in having one. Hmm. You know, not five years, maybe one year I've got goals and this, but five years, the world's going to be a different place in five mm -hmm. years. But no idea mm -hmm. where I'm going to be in five years. So yeah. And five maybe. years, like, I think we're all different too, or we change. And so it might not yeah. be the same thing. Right. 
Yeah. I can maybe think about the next six months where I'm heading, and maybe mm-hmm. a year at the most, but five years, I've got no idea what's going to happen mm-hmm. in five years. So, yeah, a long time. I don't pin myself down <laughs> to a plan and go, no, I'm going to find right. a plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, Steve. Oh, <laughs> yeah, go on. Steve, um, tell our listeners, um, again, for those who might not be familiar with your work or haven't listened to the first interview, tell them where they can find you. And I know you, you mentioned the book. Um, is there anything else you're currently working on that you want to let people know about? So there's a social media platform. There's the book, uh, The Spiritual Entrepreneur. There's loads of webinars I'm doing, like two or three a month, I think, on all kinds of subjects. Um, multidimensional clearing, um, Akashic Records reading, um, Stop Resisting Your Soul, uh, Money in Abundance. Uh, i got lots of those kind of classes. Um, maybe next year I'm thinking I might do a training course for people interested in my form of healing, but I'm not really ready for that yet. I'm maybe mm. another year really, but I'm still sitting with that. Um, what else? Uh, I've got four grandchildren now. Oh. A new one, a new one came along before since I last spoke to you. Oh, congratulations! Four little girls, <laughs> and they all know Granddad's a bit weird, but they kind of love it anyway. <laughs> I give them crystals, and they're like, "Oh, Granddad, a crystal!" The younger <laughs> one, she's two and a half. I say, "The fairies are sleeping in the crystal." She goes, "I can't see them." I go, "Oh, they're there." You know, and so she's fascinated with crystals at the moment and oh. fairies, uh, fairies sleeping in flowers. She's at that magical age where I can start playing with her. But then she'll, when they get teenagers, they start to kind of close down a bit. I have to be a bit careful mm-hmm. about, right. you know, talking too much about magic. So. <laughs> well, it's so fun, though. You can plant those seeds because you never know where those seeds are going to sprout later. <laughs> yeah. My grandkids do, the older ones do like my YouTube channel. They, they click on what mm. they like them. So. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. They've got no idea what's in them, but they say, well, see, I, I like them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Steve, so much for being here today with thank you us. Guys. Thanks for thank sharing you. space with us for this beautiful conscious conversation. And so thank you for listening to our show and stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 Mountain Standard Time. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely love a five-star written review on iTunes. And of course, please share the love by sharing it with your friends. If you want to support the work we're doing, please consider making a donation to our show by visiting our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And until next time, love yourself, love each other, and love the world. We love you guys. Love you guys. Take care. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. We at Be The Love Podcast are honored to be supporting the Komodi Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization in Uganda that is working to build a school that will promote and support healthcare, education, skills development, feeding the hungry, human rights, and environmental defenders. Their goal is to work with young mothers and single mothers, street children, and vulnerable families who lack nurture as they guide them to become productive individuals, which will lead to a productive generation. Please see our show notes on how to become a donor, mentor, volunteer, or sponsor. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. 
And thank you Chrissy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey. And thank you for hopping on the Ascension bus with us. And remember, there is always a seat for you.